It's 4 o'clock and time for the Calvary Live Show, taking your calls and questions about life, the Bible, and living in Jesus. The number to call is 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Calvary Live. So encouraged and blessed that you would join us this afternoon. My name is Ed Taylor. I'm the pastor here at Calvary in Aurora. 303-690-3000 is the number. The lines are already lighting up, so call us while you can. This is the best time to get on the air. And if you want to be on the air, the number to dial is 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. Text me at 720 720- Three three six zero eight nine seven. That's the texting only line, where we'll take your text and we'll fill in. We'll fill in the blanks for while we're waiting for calls to come in, while they're getting processed, and getting ready to come on the air. While we're waiting for those calls to be processed, welcome everyone listening to us on Grace FM. Um, those of you that are on Grace FM. FM, you know this show's been on for quite a while. Uh, we've been taking your calls and your questions, and this is really a, a, a connection with a pastor. Uh, not just a pastor teaching a Bible study, but a pastor opening the Bible, talking about things pertaining to life and godliness, opening up the Scriptures, seeing if we can't find an answer from the Scriptures uh, to your questions, what the show isn't, it's not a show where we argue. It's not a show where you will get a platform uh, to argue or you know make some kind of argumentative case. We just won't we won't do that. Uh, we don't we we want to invest our time in building one another up in our most holy faith. We do that by answering simple Bible questions and by praying for one another. Uh, we have seen a lot happen over the years during, the show, whether it's been sponsorship to conferences or somebody calling up with a job need or a missionary request, and uh, it's been amazing and, and such a great, great opportunity to serve and, and to grow in God's grace. We also are welcoming everyone from Hope FM. You guys are newer to our program, and we're grateful that you are a part of it. Uh, Hope FM is a network of stations that spans from New Jersey uh, Maryland, and Pennsylvania, and we're so grateful to be a part of your lives. I'm looking forward. I know Calvary Chapel in Philadelphia is going to be having their pastor's conference coming up uh, in a couple months. I'm very much looking forward to being out there again. I uh, so appreciate Pastor Joe Foch and the ministry that's going on all and up and down the East Coast. Uh, man, so grateful for the many wonderful ministries uh, that exist uh, around the country. Uh, and join me on the air, 303-690-3000. If you, get a, if you get a busy signal, keep trying, 303-690-3000. Let me read to you today's edition of the devotional of Charles Spurgeon from Beside Still Waters. The title of his Devo today, it's a pretty short one, uh, the title is The Lord Delivers. It's from Psalm 34, 19. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Here's the Devo. Are you in great trouble? 
If you have a trial that you cannot share or a trouble that if you did share, no one could help, then go and spread it before the Lord. Remember his words, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Go and tell him that he has spoken and that he has pledged himself to deliver you out of all your afflictions. Be sure of this, God will be as good as his word. My brothers and sisters, may God help us to look to him. <laughs> That's solid. 303-690-3000. You know, technology is a wonderful thing. I woke up this morning to a, a text from a friend. I'm so grateful uh, for, for folks that will text me in the morning, text me uh, what's on their heart, text me to pray. Uh, I personally love to do that. If the, if the Lord puts somebody on my heart, I love to send a little note and ask them, how can I be praying for them? And this morning at 4.59 in the morning, 4.59 in the morning, a brother texted me. He said, I'm reading Numbers chapter 10, verse 9. So let me read it for you. That's what I did. I pulled out my Bible. In Numbers 10, 9, it says, When you go to war in your land against the enemy who oppresses you, then you shall sound an alarm with the trumpets, and you will be remembered before the Lord your God, and you will be saved from your enemies. And this brother said, I was reading Numbers 10, 9 this morning. What an encouraging verse. While we don't have trumpets to sound our alarm, while we don't have trumpets to sound, our alarm is prayer, like Peter, when he began to sink and cried, Help me, have a great day. <laughs> I love it. So encouraging. And the brother knows who he is. I appreciate everyone that would take the time to reach out and minister uh, what they have learned. Then I answered back while well, I was reading Joshua eleven fifteen. Anna Joshua eleven fifteen. Let me read it to you. That was my Devo this morning. 11.15, As the Lord had commanded Moses' servant, so Moses commanded Joshua, and so Joshua did. He left nothing undone of all that the Lord had commanded Moses. I was, and this is my Devo back. Uh, I wasn't quite at 4.59. It was at 6.03 I wrote back. I was reading Joshua 11.15 and was reminded how the enemy sometimes joined forces and are as numerous as the sand on the seashore. But in obedience, there's victory. And then I quoted that verse. As the Lord had commanded his servant Moses, so Moses commanded Joshua, and Joshua did as he was told, carefully obeying all the commands that the Lord had given to Moses. 303-690-3000. Got an open line. Grab it while you can. 303-690-3000. We're going to move right on. To the phone lines now with Matthew in Commerce City, Colorado. Matthew, welcome to the program. Thank you, Pastor Ed. Um, I actually visited, visited Calvary Aurora last week uh, on Wednesday for the first time. Oh, wonderful. And I was really glad to be able to make it, and uh, I think I'll try and make it in again tonight. Um, I have a question regarding uh, my fiance uh, and her prayer techniques. Uh, her father was Catholic, and her mother is still Christian. Um, and they didn't really work that out, and she's gotten into this habit of praying a uh, like a Catholic prayer before eating, and also she recites the Our Father prayer before bed every night. Um, she does add on at the end of the Our Father um, and does her own kind of prayer and stuff like that, but I was wondering if there's anything scriptural that kind of 
dives into um, repetitive prayer. Um, I don't know anything about the Catholic religion. I just kind of feel like they've strayed from being the body of Christ, and I just don't really know how to handle her praying to Catholic prayer every time we sit down to eat. I was wondering if there was anything I should talk to her about. Well, Jesus gave us instruction on prayer, and he used the religious rulers of the day as, at least some of the religious rulers of the day, as his example. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 5, he said, And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, Go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think they'll be heard for their many words. Therefore do not be like them, for your Father knows the things that you need have need of before you ask him. And then that's when he gives us the, what's commonly known as the Lord's Prayer, when he says, in this manner, therefore pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So Jesus definitely does give instruction to be careful of repeating things in an empty way. And quite frankly, it's not just Roman Catholicism. We can all be vainly repeating prayers at times. I just taught on this section of Scripture a few weeks ago at our weekend services because we were studying John 17 in the prayer of Jesus, and then we moved over to Matthew 6. And I, I shared this, and I wanted to make sure that we all understood that it's not just something they do, whoever they might be, but it's also something that we can do. And one of the places I find that I do, do this the most is praying over a meal. Uh, because praying over a meal is a great thing. Thanking God, acknowledging God for the food that's set before us, when the kids were younger, our prayers around the table were a little bit more involved. We would pray for different things, and the kids would get to pray, and it's a beautiful thing. But I do know that there are times when I pray emptily, empty, in an empty way around the dinner table. And I believe that's the, that would be the same as what you might be finding in your, in your girlfriend's uh, life, where re- just, imp- just repeating a prayer or just saying something but really having no heart connection with the God with God who we're talking to. And so with when it comes to your when it comes to your fiance, it, it may just be an, an area of having to help her understand what prayer is and how God wants us to talk to him directly and not just repeat something that we heard. Uh, it's not bad to repeat something. The prohibition is to vainly repeat something. Um, and the idea behind it, Jesus says, is because they think the more they say, the more they'll be hear, heard, right? And God's, and Jesus says, no, don't be like them, because God already knows, he already knows what you need, so your time of prayer is for you to connect with God. Uh, your time of prayer is for you to share your heart with God. He already knows what's going on, so you're coming to a Father that knows everything about you. So I'd encourage you to go on our website and in uh, go to our studies in the Gospel of John, and just a few weeks ago, I, I taught a Bible study in John called uh, the Model Prayer, something like that. Okay. 
Yeah, um, that's very helpful. I appreciate that, Pastor Ed. Well, you're welcome, brother. Have a good day. Let's stay. All right. Bye-bye. 303-690-3000. Are you listening in on Hope FM? Call us. We want to hear more from Maryland. We want to hear more from Philadelphia. We want to hear more from New Jersey. I'm actually going to be out in New Jersey at the end of June, I think, at the end of June for, for Bridge Fest, another radio station up in Old Bridge, New Jersey, uh, where my friend Pastor Lloyd Pulley pastors, and Abounding Grace Radio is on Bridge FM, and I'm going to be out for their big outreach, uh, and I'm not exactly sure where it is. It's I think it's at a beach somewhere, uh, and... We're going to be out there to share the gospel and be a part of all that God's doing with Bridge Fest. So I'm excited. Never been to that before. So Lord willing, I'll be out there and be able to to be ministering to those in New Jersey. Uh, that and I'm not entirely sure. Maybe somebody, uh, maybe some of you can call in and tell me the difference between Old Bridge and Marlton. How where that where everything is in perspective. I'm not sure, um, but we're here in Aurora and we have service tonight here at Calvary Aurora. We're gonna. We have our big water baptism service. It's gonna be so awesome. We're gonna come together and worship. We're going to pray together. I'm gonna share the gospel, and then we're gonna baptize. And I can't wait to tell you how many people we baptized. Almost always on a Wednesday night, we baptize about a hundred people, uh, and we are so excited. There's a couple of baptisms in particular that we know about that are so exciting. Three oh three six. Nine zero three thousand. That number works anywhere. Call us. Get on the air. Text me at 720-336-0897. I got a text here. Hello, Pastor Ed. I'm looking to buy a Bible, but I'm not sure which one to get. I really like the ones at Calvary Chapel in Greeley. Thank you. Well, especially if you attend Calvary Chapel in Greeley, it would be a good idea to get the same version that Pastor Jeff uses. That'll help you a lot in following along during the Bible study. Uh, I am not familiar with what version Pastor Jeff uses. I suspect it's probably the New King James Version or maybe the ESV. I'm not sure, but it would be good to go into Calvary Chapel in Greeley and ask the folks in the bookstore there what Bible Pastor Jeff recommends. Uh, I personally recommend a Bible that's not a study Bible, uh, that you don't have anyone else's notes, and that you get a Bible with a good concordance in the back and a good topical index, if it's possible. Now, I use the Open Bible, the new Open Bible. They just started reprinting it. And it does have some study notes in it that are pretty good. The reason I like the Open Bible is because in each uh, beginning of each book of the Bible, it has a good summary of the, of the book of the Bible, who wrote it, when they write it, what's the big themes behind it. Invaluable uh, to learn the context of what you're reading. And I'll tell you how I got it. Uh, I was such a dumb new believer uh, that I went into a bookstore uh, back then and I said, my wife and I just got saved and we need two Bibles. And the nice gentleman in the bookstore took me over and said, these are the most uh, new Bibles and the ones everybody's using. And I said, I need two of them. So I bought two of them and I took them home and I gave one to my wife. I was so excited. The first time we were buying Bibles, were new believers, didn't even have a Bible in the house. And I came to find out after a couple weeks that this was one of those new gender-neutral Bibles. It just had come out, and they had taken all of the references of he and, and made it completely gender-neutral. 
And I said, I can't believe it. I just dropped all this money on Bibles. They wouldn't, we already wrote in them. They wouldn't take them back. And so I tossed them. I said, I don't want this stuff in my house. I, I don't want a Bible that's been uh, you know, adjusted culturally. I, I don't mind a Bible that's adjusted to help understand the original language, but not that way. And, and so here's what I did. I went down to, uh, I visited that week, I visited Pastor Raul Reese Church, Raul Reese's church in West Covina. Uh, that West Covina was right around the big hill uh, that Marie and I lived in Whittier. I drove over Wednesday night service. It, it was jam-packed. I couldn't believe how many people were in that church. It, it, we were standing. There wasn't even enough room in the pews to take notes. Uh, people standing and watching from the windows in the foyer area. It was an amazing time. It was before he's in Golden Springs. It was over in West Covina. So encouraged. Then after church, I walked out of that. I didn't have a Bible, so I had to use one of their Bibles. I walked out of the sanctuary. I walked right past the liquor store because they were in a little strip mall. And right past the liquor store was the Calvary Chapel Bible uh, bookstore. I walked in. I said, listen, I listen to Pastor Raw on the radio on K-Wave. I trust him. What Bible does he use? The guy said, well, you'd be glad to know. This is the Bible he uses. Walked over, pulled it off the shelf, handed it to me, and I haven't used a different Bible since. And it was the new open Bible, new King James. Uh, I do use other versions when I study. I have a Bible program that has many, many other versions. There was a question on Monday. I just happened to be listening. By the way, somebody called in, if you're still listening, about the J.B. Phillips translation. Uh, it is a good translation, but it's a paraphrase. So just keep that in mind. It's, it's not a version that you can really study from because it's a paraphrase. And on top of that, it doesn't have any of the references in it. It only tells you what book of the Bible it is, but it doesn't tell you uh, the verse numbers or anything, so you got to then cross-reference it with another. But it's a great, I, I love using, as a matter of fact, um, the verse that I love the most from the J.B. Phillips, because I do use it when I'm, when I'm putting together a Bible study. Let me see, I wasn't ready to do this, but I wanted to, uh, so let me download it on my computer. And here's my, uh, the first time I ever heard this was Chuck Swindoll. Uh, he he's the one that shared this version. It's in Romans uh, chapter. Let's see here. Romans chapter twelve, and of course, it's hard to find it because they don't have references in here. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I'll tell you what I remember. I can't tell you the whole verse, but it's in Romans chapter twelve in the New King James. It says. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And then verse 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Well, verse 2 in the J.B. Phillips translation says, Don't let the world press you into its mold. And that's just stuck with me ever since I first heard it. And the first person I ever heard uh, introduce the uh, the book of J.B. Phillips' translation was Chuck Swindoll, and and I've since used it for many 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 years, uh, and it's a it's a great translation. Just remember, it's a paraphrase, and you can't really study paraphrases. Uh, you you've got to study books that are true to the text. So I use a New King James. Uh, I know the ESV is another good literal translation that's come out recently. The New American Standard is a great literal translation, um, but it's good if you're going to use a Bible uh, to get the Bible your pastor is 
using. 303-690-3000. Okay, here's a, I know you guys are waiting online. Okay, I'll just take a phone call and then I'll get back. Because there's a really good text question that, that I want to ask. Because sometimes we ask questions that seem so hard. And I want to show you, sometimes we ask questions that seem so hard, but they're not hard at all. And I want to explain something to you. But let somebody's been waiting. So let's go over to Melissa. Melissa's calling from Denver. Melissa, welcome to the program. Hi. Hi. Um, so I was talking to my soon-to-be brother-in-law earlier, and he said that, that dinosaurs actually did exist and that they did walk with man. And he said that, uh, I don't remember where it was from in the Bible, but he said that they talk about a beast that lived in, like, the forest, and it was huge, and its tail was the size of a tree, and that no man's sword could penetrate its skin, but uh, that God had killed it, that God killed the dinosaurs. Because I asked him if uh, meteorites actually killed the dinosaurs, if they were real, if that actually happened, and he said, no, God killed them. So I was wondering if that is true, why did he kill them? Well, I believe that dinosaurs existed at the time of man and that were on the earth at the time of man. And you have many examples or at least hints of that, just like uh, your brother-in-law was sharing. One of them is in the book of Job, chapter 40, verse 15, uh, where we're introduced to an animal or a creature known as the behemoth. And he's described as the mightiest of all God's creatures. Uh, and who has a giant tail likened to a cedar tree, which is pretty big. Uh, and some scholars have tried to, enter, to, tried to identify that behemoth as an elephant or a hippopotamus, but really elephants and hippopotamuses have very thin, short tails, nothing like a cedar tree. And I think this is one of the hints that dinosaurs uh, existed, maybe like the Brachiosaurus or other types of dinosaurs, I don't know them all, and that the way they died by saying that God killed them is the way they died is by the flood. Oh, okay. That's okay. Possi- that actually makes a lot of sense. That's a possibility. <laughs> Although one of the problems that you might have with the flood is that the, that Moses, or excuse me, that Noah, not Moses, uh, that's a, that would be a bad one. Noah uh, was supposed to bring two animals of every kind. Uh, and then the question would be what happened if he brought two, if he brought dinosaurs on the, on, on the, Ark, then what happened to them, which really is all kind of speculation. <clears throat> yeah. But it's that makes sense. I do think they I do think they did. The Bible doesn't really tell us, um, but if we if we take the Bible as it as its literal thing, then yes, Noah took dinosaurs on the ark. Yes, they came off the ark and somehow died off after the flood, perhaps by environmental shifts or the fact that they were relentlessly, relentlessly hunted to extinction by man. Okay. So those are two options. I, 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 would, I, I don't think the flood killed them, because that would be kind of undermining what, what Noah was told to do. Yeah. Um, he pointed me in the direction of Second uh, Thessalonians chapter 2, okay. where he said it talks about um, like what your, like your heart can be deceived and um, that God will show you that, you know, think you're being deceived, or he'll show you what what things are that can be deceived. So he kind of pointed me to that in some regard to what the question I had asked him. Um, and then my other question was, um, do we, because I know that, like, 
scientists and everybody said that the earth is like you know billions of years old and stuff and but it, it can't be there's no way um i was wondering if we really knew how long like bc lasted like how how long was bc before it turned into 80 well, if you take um, any attempt to look at the years that are provided in the Bible, and people spend their whole life studying this, and it's basically a division or a debate between two types of people, those that believe in a young earth and those that believe in an old earth. Uh, and the evolutionist, the humanistic evolutionist instruction of the day is pushing people more and more toward a, an older earth. And of course, if you're a secular humanist, then you just invent how many years you want the earth to be. And every time you find something new, you've got to add more years so that it just gets ridiculous over time. There's really, it's such a moving target. Uh, but if you take the Bible literally, uh, as, we, as I do, then you would come to terms with, a, with more of a younger earth. And the estimate of how many years BC, you know, the question that you ask, is probably around 6,000. But the, let me give you, so let me give you though, a, an answer to people that have a hard time with a young earth. And, and okay. The, the, um, I'm sorry, because uh, you said secular, and um, I forgot. He said to ask compared, to, like, according to the secular world and the relative a- aspect of it. Well, the secular world lives in relativism, so they, they, they'll, min- they'll make the, the, a more of the, the secular evolutionist mindset believes in billions of years, and they add years every year. Whereas, and there are even some believers that kind of center, try to synergize uh, a, a creation, creationist evolution that tries to account for some of the things we find in the fossil record, some of the things that we see that obviously have age in them. But, but let, me, let me say this. When you're thinking of seeing something that's old and attributing years to it, let me ask you a question. Can God create something that looks older than it is, yes or no? Yeah, I believe he could do anything he wanted to. But let's be specific, though, and I agree. He could do anything he wants to, but let's be specific. In just in your mind and your quick thinking, do you believe that God can create something that appears older than it really is? Yes. Yes. Can you think of any example in the Bible where that took place? Um. I honestly don't know the Bible too well. I'm I'm kind of a new believer. Okay. So I haven't I don't know too much about it. So Let me help you. I couldn't I could not. That's okay. You're going to be surprised that you probably already knew the answer. You just never thought of it this way. When Adam and Eve were created, they were created as adults. And let's just say they were created at age 30. They could communicate, they could communicate with one another, they could be deceived, uh, they could eat. Uh, they didn't need anybody to change their diapers or anything. So they were in an age, let's just say, we aren't told, but let's say they were at an average age of 30 years old. Okay. The day after they're create, they were created, the day after, how old were they? Hey, I think they'd be the same age as the day they were created. They would be one day old, Right. Okay, yeah. But they would look much older than a day-old person. Yes. So keep that in mind. Like, like I know that I'm not a scientist, and and I certainly am am not, I'm just, I'm not good with that kind of stuff. But I am pretty good with the Bible. At least I try to be. And there are are examples of examples 
that when God created the sun, he created it at a certain age, even though you were looking at it and it was a day old. Obviously, the sun okay. didn't grow up. The earth didn't grow up. Adam and Eve were created as human beings. They didn't evolve from specks of dirt. And according to the Bible, when God created these things, he created them in their fullest sense of, they looked old, but they were one day old. Yeah. And a lot of okay. what is found, I believe, is just that. Things that are old, but not the age that people might think they are. Let me give you an, a, a website, answersingenesis.org. Answersingenesis.org. And it goes into depth on a lot of these questions. Okay, thank you. All right, bye-bye. Hey, we'll be right back. You hear the music. This is Ed Taylor, Calvary Live. See you in a bit. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Call us with your questions about life, the Bible, and living in Jesus right now at 303-690-3000. Hey, welcome back, everyone, to today's edition of Calvary Live. Everyone on Grace FM from Pueblo up into Cheyenne, Wyoming, Fort Collins, Greeley, Denver, Aurora. I was on the other side of town, and, and our signal is a little bit stronger over by Calvary South Denver. I was encouraged by that. Uh, it, it's still kind of a little valley over there, but I was over visiting uh, with John and uh, Gino not too long ago. I was encouraged to hear the signal over there. Or you're on Hope FM in Pennsylvania, Maryland, and New Jersey. Somebody needs to call in and tell me uh, the, dif- the distance between Old Bridge and Marlton. I'm not sure the distance there. But I'm going to be in Old Bridge later this year for the Bridge Fest. Abounding Grace airs on Bridge FM. It also airs right here on Hope FM uh, and Grace FM. Um, but um, I'm going to be up at Bridge, at Bridge Fest uh, this year for the very first time. Very encouraged uh, to be able to serve you guys on the East Coast. Going to be out for the Pastors Conference, too, in Calvary Chapel, Philadelphia. Pastor Joe Foch uh, is putting it on. Just got back from Tucson. Uh, where not only did I get to go to the conference, but I also was able to teach there. And uh, just it was it, the topic was seasons of a shepherd, and the uh, the topic that I shared on was seasons of discouragement. Seasons of discouragement, and we're just looking at Psalm forty-two as the deer panteth for the water, so my soul panteth after thee. Uh, and such a great, we, we even sing that song in the old Maranatha songs. And, um, but, but the reality of that thirst was created by the enemies of God, uh, the enemies of David, uh, going after him. Uh, and, 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 you know, the enemies don't, enemies don't care about what you're going through. They don't care that you're hurting or grieving that they, they instead take every opportunity while a person's down, uh, to destroy you. And it's just such a sad thing within the body of Christ uh, that instead of helping a brother up, uh, people try to tear a brother down. And, and David, even when he was going through it, it he said in Psalm 42, we, we sing the first part of Psalm 42, but the rest of it, you know, he says, my tears have been my food day and night. And he's been crying and, and it's been a constant, overwhelming emotional experience for him. But the enemies, they say, where is your God? And they just, you know, they just don't care. Uh, and may the Lord give us a caring heart uh, for those that are going through things. May, may God minimize, may, may he make 
us have less enemies, not more. And may, may God work in our hearts with that work of reconciliation, that work of repentance, that work of brokenness that, that would bring people together and not divide. The body of Christ always already has the reputation of kicking people while they're down, and, and unfortunately it's true to some degree. Not always. Of course, only bad things get bad press, but um, you know they, they get, the pop, get, get everything that's popularized. But let us be one less. You know, let us be one less doing damage to the body of Christ, and let us build one another up in our most holy faith, and that we might grow in grace together. And um, the Bible says, as, while I'm thinking of it, in Galatians chapter 6, <clears throat> um, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks himself to be something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work. Then he'll have rejoicing in himself alone, and yet not in another, for each one shall bear his own load. Let's be, man, let's, <clears throat> let's be encouraging. Let's build one another up in the Lord. Let's not, let's not, I was talking to Gino Dracy about this not too long ago, you know, let's not, emphasize all the things we disagree on. Let's emphasize the things that we do agree on. Let's not seek to tear down the body. Let's seek to build up the body. Uh, let's not tend to try to win an argument. Let's try to uh, try to eliminate arguments. Um, and of course, you know, that, that, that would be more along the lines of, of agreeing on the essentials of the Christian faith, the, the essence of who Jesus is, the essence of salvation and such. But um, let's build up, and the whole world's waiting waiting. The whole world's waiting and watching. Lord, help us. Oh, here's somebody sent us. They're not even from New Jersey, uh, and they sent us. Marlton is only one hour away from Old Bridge Township, 66.2 miles, unless there's a huge snowstorm. And then I'm not going out at all. I'm not going out. So thank you. I think this was somebody from Aurora sent this to me. 303-690-3000. Uh, let me get a phone call, but I do want to get to a text because I want to teach something as well as answer a question. So let's see here. We're going to go to, uh, do we have, we are line number one is John. John calling from Boulder, Colorado. Welcome to the program, John. John, are you with us? Oh, I have to hit the button. <laughs> John, welcome to the program. He's not there either. <laughs> I forgot. I'm, when I'm here, I need to hit the button. 303-690-3000. Sorry. Uh, 303-690-3000. We're going to go on to the next caller. Line three is Yuset calling from Pennsylvania. Welcome to the program. Hello. How are you? Good. How are you? Fine. How can I pray for you, Yuset? I'm praying for me and my family, um, me and my sister and our kids. We just got a situation. We have a mother, and we're not trying to go back. You just told us we can't go back. And, um, you know, we're getting out of the uh, drug habit as well. We yes. have more than four months that we haven't drugged anything. So, you know, we're right really on. happy about that. But the devil keeps haunting us, yeah. you know. So I just want to pray. Well, let's pray for that. God, I pray for my sister who has been two months sober, uh, two months fighting the good fight, two months of being clean. And, and yet, Lord, there's been two months of serious temptation 
and a pressure and a pushing, especially this latest trial where her mom has said it's enough and you can't come back. And, and Lord, we just pray for an open door for our sister that as she is facing this trial, which is a very serious trial, that you would, you would minister to them, Lord, and they wouldn't turn back to, you wouldn't turn back to the, um, to drugs to try to drown this out. Uh, they wouldn't turn away, Lord, to trying to, to not think about the difficulty um, of everything that's going on in their lives, God, the, the hardship and uh, the, the reality of this difficulty. So, Lord, we just lift her up to you, and, and we just know that this is, this is not an easy thing. Um, and, and listening to the radio, I'm thankful that there's a radio station, Lord, that we can... Um, that we can have, and that we can be in a in a place of of ministry over the airwaves. Use it in Jesus' name, Amen. Call us back and tell us how it's going. Okay. Thank you so much. Bye bye. Three zero three six nine zero three thousand. Okay. Before I get back to the phone lines, uh, let me answer this question real quick. It is a text question, and it is. Phil from Orchard, Colorado. He asks, are there any biblical examples of the blasphemy of the Spirit? Now that is a great question because the way that we get the definition of the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is where it occurred in the Bible. So it's actually, the answer is yes. That's how we know about the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. That's how we know what it is. And here's the example, Matthew chapter 12, verse 22 when one was brought to him who was demon-possessed, blind and mute, he healed him. So that the blind and the mute man both spoke and saw. And all the multitudes were amazed and said, Could this be the son of David? Now when the Pharisees heard it, they said, This does not cast out demons except by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. But Jesus knew their thoughts. And he talked about a kingdom divided. And then he says, and in this whole dialogue, when you jump down to verse 31, therefore I say to you, every sin and blasphemy will be forgiven men, but the blasphemy against the Spirit will not be forgiven men. So what is the blasphemy of the Spirit? It is what this group, not all the Pharisees, but this particular group of Pharisees, that according to verse 25, Jesus knew their thoughts, that attributed the work of the devil to Jesus, or the work of Jesus to the devil, like it was demonic that he was casting out demons. And this is an example of crossing the line in this particular group of not believing in the Son of God, so much so that they committed a sin. In this case, it was manifested by attributing the work of God to the demonic realm. It means such denial, such uh, and because Jesus knew their thoughts, he could say they were blaspheming the Holy Spirit. So, so we know the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is the unforgivable sin, and the unforgivable sin, the sin that can't be forgiven, is a sin of rejecting Christ. Here's a group that rejected Christ, and because Jesus knew their thoughts, he knew that this rejection was no normal rejection. It was a rejection of no return, known as the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And here's the thing. We don't know the hearts of people today. Therefore, we do not know if they've committed this sin. So we preach the gospel, knowing that whosoever will, let him come. That 
God is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. And you get the definition and the example right here in Matthew chapter 12. Great, great question. So not only do we get to answer the question, but we get from the text, from the exegesis of the text, to pull out from the text exactly what's happening here. And because Jesus, verse 25, knew their thoughts, he knew everything about them, he alone could say that they blasphemed the Holy Spirit beyond the point of no return. 303-690-3000. My name is Ed Taylor. I'm the pastor here at Calvary in Aurora, Colorado. I'm also the Bible teacher of Abounding Grace Radio and Abounding Grace Media. More information on the ministry here can be found at edtaylor.org, edtaylor.org, or you can go to our website, calvaryaurora.org, A-U-R-O-R-A, calvaryaurora.org. All right, we got another call from Pennsylvania. Chris is calling from Pennsylvania. Chris, welcome to the program. Hi, thanks. What's going on? Hi, uh, I had a question for you. Uh, I have a friend uh, of many years who I've been praying for for many years. Yes. And uh, one night, uh, you know, his his father died when he was really young, and uh, one night when he was drunk, uh, all of his emotions kind of came out, and he broke down crying, saying, you know, his father was in hell, uh, his father wasn't a Christian either. Um, I was just wondering what is a good way to minister to him, because at the time I I really didn't know what to say. Well, when it comes to the death of our loved ones, when we don't have an assurance that they were born again, uh, I try to encourage the brother, first of all, in the in the grief of the loss, because Losing your dad or losing a loved one is a very painful experience, and I want to make sure that I speak to that part because the Bible says that that God is the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our tribulations. So I don't want to neglect that part of the ministry to the person. And in that comfort, because I don't know whether his dad was saved or not, I don't know what kind of spiritual transactions that occurred between my friend's dad and God, I like to remind them that while I don't know where your dad was in relationship to God, I do know this, that when he stands before God in the, at the judgment seat, whether it's the Bema seat or the great white throne, when he stands before God, he will stand before God that is righteous, that is just, and that is true. And the, the eternity that is given to him is going to be the eternity that he requested through his life. And, and I never really, I never really try to answer whether the person was saved or not, because I just don't know. Even if they describe a salvation experience, even if they say, well, they prayed the prayer and that, that doesn't, that doesn't necessarily mean they were saved or they hated God their whole life. And I don't know if they had some kind of deathbed experience or they were just manifesting anger. Uh, and I, I don't know. So I try to stay away from things I don't know and try to emphasize the things that I do know. And I really do like to remind them that, that God is just, that Jesus Christ paid for the penalty of sins, and that if their dad did repent of their sins before God, then God heard them, and he's going to be able to stand before a holy and a righteous God, and, and there will be no argument. Um, you know, the closest 
the, the closest argument would be, uh, didn't we do this in your name? Didn't we do this in your name? Lord Jesus might say, I never knew you, um, but I know that God's going to be fair with his dad. And I like to minister more to, if I can, but I like to serve more of the person that's in front of me than trying to give some kind of false assurance, or I'm certainly in mm-hmm. no place to give, I'm, I'm in no place to say, well, your dad uh, is in hell. I, I don't know. Um, I can tell you this on a personal level, uh, my dad, uh, he's in heaven now, but my dad, I remember going to a church as a kid, uh, and then all of a sudden at about the sixth grade, we just stopped going to church, which wasn't a bad deal for me because I could stay home and watch cartoons and, and not have to dress up and memorize scripture or anything. And, and I, I just remember this. We didn't, we stopped going and my dad was a leader in the church. It was a Christian church. He was a leader. He was an elder. And then just all of a sudden we stopped. And my dad was one of those guys that was really private. Uh, one of those guys that, that didn't really share a lot about his life. But when he did, it was pretty significant. And, and so Later on in life, many, many years later, after I'm born again, I'm pastoring now, and I mean, we're talking 30, 40 years later, I finally approach my dad and I say, Dad, well, why, didn't, why didn't we go to, why did we stop going to church? I don't, we never talked about it, never said anything about it, we just stopped. And my dad recounted a story to me uh, that broke my heart, and, it, and it's stuck with me as a pastor ever since. Uh, as I get to serve people, he he finally got an because he's such a private person. He finally got enough uh, courage uh, in his sorrow over losing his mom at a young age. That I think he was in his teens. That he went to one of the ministers at his church for counsel, and he went to the minister of his church, and they began to talk about his sadness and his sorrow, and it was related to his mom passing away. And the minister said, "Well, was your mom baptized?" And my dad said, yeah, I, yeah, she was baptized in the Presbyterian church. And the pastor went on to say, so she wasn't baptized by us, by a minister of our denomination? And my dad said something like, no, she was a Presbyterian in her life. We went to Presbyterian church and we studied the Bible there. And that, that minister looked him in the eye and said, well, your mom went to hell. Mm. And he never went back. And... I just want to be very careful with people. I want to emphasize the things that I do know to be true, and, and I want to de-emphasize the things I don't know, uh, and I don't want to be wrong, and I don't want to discourage someone that's alive from following after the Lord. I know God is merciful, and I also know he's just. I know that he's not willing that any should perish, but I also know that many people die rejecting him. And for the person in front of me, I just want to encourage them to trust God that while we don't, we don't know for sure about what's going on with his dad, that we can know for sure about his life because he's still alive, those kind of things. Right. Thank you very much. Uh, please uh, pray uh, for my friend. Uh, I've been praying for him for many, many years now. <laughs> well, let's do that. Let's do that. God, we just pray for this, um, for this man who uh, has suffered a significant loss in his life, and, and it's definitely got the best of him. Um, as as it would, Lord, um, grief is is a monster, and it's difficult. And I pray for this man's salvation, God. I pray that his eyes would be opened, that as you've put a friend in his life, that he would heed the words of his friend, uh, and he would come to you, Lord, and confess with his mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe in his heart that God raised him from the dead. 
that you would yeah. use this catastrophic tragedy in his life to bring him to a place of submission, uh, bring him to a place of brokenness, bring him to a place where he answers the call. Uh, he answers the call, and this is this describes him. Uh, that this is his life, and that that he would listen to this invitation that you give Jesus when yeah. you say, "Come unto me, all who labor and are heavy laden." And you promised Jesus, you said, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. That's the type of rest we pray, that God, you would bring this man to a saving faith in you, that he might have the rest for his soul that he needs, not only on this issue, but more importantly for the eternity of his life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, brother. All right, God bless you, man. Bye-bye. You too. Bye. 303-690-3000 is the number. Let's see who's up. Line one is Rita. Let's pick up Rita on line one. Rita, welcome to the program. Thank you very much, Pastor Ed. And I just, as I was listening, you give such beautiful, wise counsel. And I know it comes from your heart, but it comes from the Word of God as well. And I hope you realize the difference you make in so many lives. Thank you. Um, Anyway, my question for you is um, the movie The Shack. Yes. I know um, a dear friend of mine, a Christian woman, is going to be going and taking several other friends who um, are not as biblical biblically minded as uh, this friend of mine. I just, I think it's a blasphemous movie. I think um, to say that God was a woman, um, my sister thinks that. My sister um, raised Catholic and is still a Catholic, and, um, you know, I think many times just picks and chooses what she wants to believe, and I just think it's very dangerous. And um, I don't know what you think of this movie, but um, if you could explain to people maybe what it's about and um, give them a heads up. I can. I'm not a fan of the movie. I'm not a fan of the book. I read it twice back 10 years ago when it came out. Uh, it, It started, you know, the thing about the shack is that it has some really good motives to it. Yeah. The motive of the book and now making of the movie was to bring comfort to, uh, you know, he wrote it, William P. Young wrote it, never expecting it to, to, to take on a life of its own as it has. He wrote it as a personal kind of a, a, a personal way of dealing with his own tragedy and his own pain. Um, mm-hmm. The, mm-hmm. The, prob- the problem is, is even though it is a fictional work, a lot of people will come back and say, well, you know, Ed, it's fictional. It's kind of like Lion, Witch, in the Wardrobe where it's, it's like some of the other fictional words, like pil- works like Pilgrim's Progress. Mm-hmm. Except, except mm-hmm. the problem is, is that even though it is fictional, and I do know that that mature believers can can tell the difference between a fictional work and a non-fictional work. When you begin to display God in a way that's contradictory Absolutely. to how the Bible reveals God, then you have, by definition, created a God in your own image, and mm-hmm. a very confused. Mm-hmm. At the very least, it's very confusing. At the most, it's very heretical, and it's probably somewhere in the middle. Um, having God the Father uh, being revealed or displayed as a woman 
is certainly not. I mean, we could go we could go on and on for the things that are revealed to it. Um, you know, Young, I think his intentions are good. He he wants us to understand um, that God is a God of love, willing to sacrifice His own Son, and yet um, the the misconstruing of the nature of God is very confusing. Absolutely, and, and why great... would He do that? I mean, that's it, it. It is the story of it is fine, but why wouldn't He just say who God is? And, and here's the thing. Here's the thing. Not not only in the nature of God, but the words that He puts in these God's mouth. Uh, for example, um, in the book, Papa, who's who's the, mm-hmm. the female character, is quoted as saying. I don't need to punish people for sin. Sin is its own punishment, devouring no. from the inside. It's not my purpose to punish it. It's my joy to cure it. Um, that, that, that certainly is not biblical. Well, that, de- that, diminish, that diminishes the, the finished work of the cross, because it's, it's partly true, though. It, it's partly true. Sin does carry its own punishment. The wages of sin is death. I mean, there, mm-hmm. there, there mm-hmm. are consequences to sin. And even there are times where it appears in this life that the wicked prosper. And yet, at the same time, God's wrath against sin and unbelief are very clear in the Scripture. And to, for, to give any indication that, that Papa, or our Father, uh, doesn't have a holy, righteous anger against sin, again, is confusing at the least, heretical at the most. Um, even then, um, later on in the book, Papa changes to become, uh, later on, as time passes, a gray-haired, ponytailed male. And the Bible is pretty clear that God does not change himself to accommodate our flawed understanding of him. Mm-hmm. He, he changes us so that we can see who he truly is. Amen. And it's a very confusing book. It's, it's, it's probably... Um, I saw the trailer for it. Let me just say this. Um, I've been I've been grieving for four years, and 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 it it's better, but it's hard, it's hard. And I saw the trailer. I didn't know what it was at first. The very I don't know what movie we were watching, but there was this trailer and the music and the encouragement and you know the the way the story goes down, the loss of the child. I'm like, oh man, oh man. Until at the end, when mm-hmm. I, when they said what it was, and I'm like, oh man. This is not going to be a very encouraging movie, uh, not to anyone that knows the God of the Bible. Now, I know that people listening in are going, but I can tell the fiction. And again, I trust that, you know, as believers, we learn how to chew the meat and spit out the bones. And and I read all kinds of stuff. Um, I, I read all kinds of different points of view, all kinds of theological perspectives. But n- most don't live in that plane. Um, most right. will be confused. That they could even be led mm-hmm. astray. Um, however, I'm not going to overreact. If somebody had went and saw the movie, I'd love to. I'd, I'd use it as a bridge to dialogue with them. I'd use it as a bridge to talk about their views of God. I would use it as a bridge. I, I don't want to create another argument, but I will, mm-hmm. you know, match mm-hmm. the conversation with the truth. Um, so if your friend's going, they've already made up their mind. And you've already said, you know, it's not a movie I'm going to watch. I really don't want to see God portrayed as a woman. And, and just really laying it out. Then after they watch the movie, said, let's go out for coffee and talk about it. I'd love to hear your point of view. I'd love to hear Very your perspective. And, and don't you think it was weird how Papa went from a woman to a man? You know, where do you find that in the Bible? I don't, I don't see that. And they might say, well, Jesus became a man 
you're right. God the Father didn't become a man. He changes not. Mm-hmm. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so you can have a discussion with them so that the emphasis of our theology in any book is not a book, but the Bible. Amen. But I think it, as Christians, sometimes we can, and for good reason, but we, we got to be careful. We can, we can overreact and miss an opportunity. And we can still disagree vehemently against something. We can have good reasons for it. We can give every, be ready to give everyone a defense for our faith uh, and give a reason for the hope that lies within us. But I'm not, as, I, as the older I get, the less and less I want to burn bridges. Uh, I want to build bridges. Um, and even if I disagree with someone, I'm going to disagree with them agreeably. But if it's a good friend of mine, like somebody that, that, I, that trusts me, then we'll probably have a really good discussion about it. Thank you for your wisdom. You're welcome. Thank you for calling. You have a wonderful evening. All right, bye-bye. All right, we are at the end of the show, and um, I know that these things uh, come up, and and, uh, I really love the intent um, of trying to bring comfort and encouragement, but we can only bring true comfort and encouragement by the true God of comfort. Anything else is made up in our own making. We've got to bring people to the truth, to the cross, to the place of sacrifice and death to self. Love you guys. Thanks for the privilege of being a part of your life. Uh, we'll be back, Lord willing, tomorrow, same time. Baptism tonight at Calvary Aurora. Prayer, worship. See you at 7. God bless you guys. Thank you for listening to Calvary Live. Be 